It is time for us to begin our midday program here on a Wednesday. Good morning to you. Scott Foster in here with you back in uh, trying to keep things organized a little bit, which is difficult when you're gone for a couple days. Things kind of fall apart on you because you forget things. So we're not going to forget anything today. i got a great group of people in here, including Susan Littlefield and Jason Jorgensen and Bob Brogan to lead our way to see what's going on today over the next couple hours and we turn it over to susan first of all good morning susan well good morning you know the farm credit service of america talked about some softening farmland values Mm -hmm. included in that was the state of nebraska so we're going to get more from bob campbell as shaley talks to him coming up here at 12 19 then looking at 12 45 alex talks about a tailgate program that's taking place if with, I can't even speak today with viticulture, and that is taking place, by the way, in Gibbon. And then I caught up with Ryan Legrand. He is now the new president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council, only been in the job less than two months as he talks about the delegate meeting and a little bit of his background as he came from running their Mexico City office. Okay. All right. Well, in fairness to you, viticulture is not exactly a word that just rolls off the tongue either. So. And, and what's sad is I was trying to say the word Gibbon. <laughs> <laughs> okay well yeah but i yeah. we forgive you it's been one of those days for me too thank you susan i appreciate thank it thank you <laughs> all right bye jason jorgensen in here and uh the miaa comes out with their preseason poll maybe a bit of a surprise a little bit yeah you're more upset about the bottom end of that poll right now aren't you the coaches poll and the media poll each have unk picked ninth now, I know I'm a touch biased, but for those who have listened to me do the Lopers the last couple of years, I'm not a shill. Yeah, I mean, no, you're not. I, you're I'm not a, a homer. You're I mean, not a homer, right? Professional bias. I want the Lopers to win. Sure. But them being picked ninth in each of those polls. What's today? The 31st, 31st of July. 31st of July. Shortly after 1130. I'll tell you right now, UNK is not finishing ninth in the MIAA. Where do you feel is a realistic Somewhere spot? between four and six. Okay. We'll say. Yeah. Okay. But apparently people didn't haven't paid attention to the uh, improvements that Coach yeah. Lynn has made the last couple of years or have most of their losses last year were razor thin. But who am I? But, That's, uh, well, it, it poster board material, maybe, yeah. for him. Now, in the coaches' poll, Fort Hayes State is number one. And I can see that. Uh, the Tigers will be good again. Northwest Missouri is second. Over in the media, Northwest Missouri is uh, first, and Fort Hayes is second. But never know that's yeah. why they have these polls to get people talking but get them fired up right if i'm on that loper team and i see ninth <laughs> that's instant motivation unk opposite place of where unl is right now yeah. everybody thinks yeah that, so that's very true also uh, did you see the base brawl last night between the reds and the pirates no if, if you haven't checked that video okay. out you should that really? that was a fight the reds and the pirates uh-huh and isn't isn't uh, Trey Bauer going to the Reds? I think he was mm-hmm. traded to them. Yeah. So, so after he, could he uh, chucked the ball over center field in Kansas City, that was on his way out. <laughs> he might be able to help him a little bit. I don't know. So thank you. All right, Jason. We turn it over to Bob Brogan. It looks like stocks up a little bit today. Technology is uh, kind of boosting stocks up the stairs just a bit, a little bit, a uh, little bit higher. Uh, also, there's a highly anticipated announcement from the Federal Reserve on interest rates and uh, on top of that Governor Pete Ricketts is looking into the future for the state's economic development and uh, has appointed a new director to lead that uh, the DED the uh, Department of Economic Development. All right, very good. Bob, they're going to lower interest rates, you think? 
Oh, gee, I don't yes know. Yes or no, give me a yes or no. I need to see the yes or no. Maybe. Oh, jeez. All right, well, that's, well, that's all coming up on Midday. It is time for us to take a look at our ag weather and how it's affecting uh, agriculture all over the world. Scott in here with you. As uh, I look around, uh, temperatures still in the 70s and 80s. We're seeing some 90s now in western Kansas, 90 in Hill City, 90 in Garden City, 92 in Liberal. Kind of along that same area right now, it's uh, 91 in Lamar in southeast Colorado, 91 also in Springfield. Uh, as we move into the northern reaches, a little bit cooler, 70s in Nebraska in the central areas. Uh, especially north-central, but we do have some 80s up in the northwest in Shadron and uh, Gordon right now. Omaha is only at 70 degrees right now, 69 still in Wayne, 69 also in Sydney, northeast Colorado, 70s and 80s throughout. Seasonal temperatures will return to the local areas today. We could see some 100-degree readings across north-central Kansas this afternoon. Uh, There is a few thunderstorms that will move into the area this evening and overnight, but are expected to be non-severe. Cooler temperatures and better chances for thunderstorms are expected for the end of the week, with the best chance for more widespread thunderstorm activity coming during the late evening and overnight hours, Thursday into Friday morning. The 6-10 to day forecast for the state of Nebraska has temperatures below average and uh, precipitation expected to be above average as we go to the 8 to 14 day outlook still the same for nebraska below average temperatures above average precipitation uh quickly if we look at kansas it should be normal temperatures but above average precipitation in the 6 to 10 the 8 to 14 below average temperatures and above average precipitation which i think is what you could kind of stay say for most of the year it's been uh in general Below average temperatures, above average precipitation. Although if you look at my grass right now, my lawn doesn't look like it's been so much below average precipitation. Very finicky, this grass. Very finicky. It doesn't understand. It's gotten a lot of rain this year. All right, let's take a look at the DTN Ag. Weather forecast calls for Midwest temperatures to remain near to below normal over the next week. This cooler trend favors pollinating corn and flowering soybeans, however... Dryness is increasing in central and eastern sectors. This is beginning to to have some impact on crops as the shallow root systems are unable to tap subsoil moisture. If this dryness persists, it will affect filling corn and soybeans. The main concern for corn and soybeans is the slow development due to delayed spring planting. Northern Plain crops have uh, generally favorable weather for developing corn and soybeans. However, crop development is well behind normal, making crops vulnerable to damage if any early freeze develops this season. Southern Plains crops and pasture areas will be mainly dry and hot through the next five days. This combination will be stressful to non-irrigated crops and will require extensive irrigation to maintain crop conditions and progress. In the Canadian prairies, crop areas will be mainly dry over the next week. In addition, temperatures will trend above normal in southern and southwestern areas. This drier and warmer pattern will be stressful to crops. In the Black Sea region, the pattern is beneficial for crops 
Western Russia and Ukraine are in the fourth consecutive week of near to below normal temperatures and periods of rain, which offer a favorable combination for row crops. In eastern Russia, crop areas' variable conditions are in effect. The Volga River Valley has made some crop loss, has had some crop loss, I should say, due to heat and dryness during the first half of, the, of July. Farther east, milder temperatures and periods of showers have been beneficial for spring wheat. There were some, uh, were some showers in the area. They've moved out of the state now. They're in Iowa mostly, so more rain coming down in uh, the Hawkeye State there. Otherwise, it's uh, pretty clear throughout our area. Uh, the uh, heat indexes were expected to get up there a little bit in uh, northern Kansas, but they still got a ways to go. 92 right now is the heat index in Hayes, 87 in Concordia. But we do think there's a possibility for some triple digits there. And that uh, that's a look at our weather. You can check that out anytime at krvn.com. This Weather Watch brought to you by... Holdridge Irrigation. Rural infrastructure, roads, bridges, and broadband is the topic of the next Rural Radio Forum. Join us August 6th from 3 to 4 p.m. and 2 to 3 Mountain Time on 880 KRVN. We'll talk with experts from the national, state, and local level about the condition of the roads and bridges across Nebraska, not only in light of the recent floodings, but also into the future. Then we'll dive in and discuss rural broadband internet, the challenges faced by rural producers, and more. It's Rural Infrastructure, Roads, Bridges, and Broadband on the next Rural Radio Forum. Further softening of farmland values are being reported in the first half of 2019. I'm Shaley Peters with you now on the Rural Radio Network, and today we're going to visit with FCS America's Senior Vice President, Bob Campbell. And Bob, you guys put out this study and some of the results here very recently talking about a farmland value softening up, and that's not necessarily a surprise, I think, to a lot of people. But give us a little bit of background uh, to the study and maybe some of the big-picture results that you have found uh, more recently. Well, when you look at a few things, actually, Shaley, first of all, what we noticed in the first half of this year, compared to the first half of 2018 in particular, the amount of sales the number of sales have been dramatically less. And so if you use Nebraska, for example, if you look at dry land crop ground, sales activity there was down 56% compared to the same time in 2018. Irrigated sales were down 24% for the same time in 2018. So you, you, you see that the market is slowing down, you know, for a variety of reasons. We've also seen, we think these prices have stabilized to the degree they have in 18 and early 19 because of a couple factors. One would be interest rates have stayed really favorable and long-term interest rates do have an impact on land prices. But the market facilitation payments that producers received in last year's production cycle really helped the stabilize some cash flows. And so we think that helped keep things in check in terms of the supply and demand of, of the land on, on the market, as well as the, um, this is just the sheer supply and demand. So some lands come up for sale. We haven't seen the market flooded with land. So the prices have stayed really pretty stable from that standpoint. I think it's important to, to mention where these benchmark farms are located, where you're seeing these results. Uh, and then 
I know I said it uh, ahead of time, but if you had a crystal ball, you wouldn't be here talking to me. However, any insights or thoughts, Bob, about where we might be headed, what we're trending towards? So we have been, so we serve producers in four states, Iowa, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Wyoming. So we have benchmark farms in all of those states so that we can keep track of, of land values. And so we, we, we just reappraise them every six months. Probably the things that we've seen, if you look at, again, and we can use Iowa and, and Nebraska as an example. If you look at a one-year trend, Nebraska's down about a percent and a half. Iowa's down about 2.7%. On a five-year trend, they're both down about 15%. Um, Iowa's down about 20% from peak land values. We anticipate that land values can continue to soften somewhat. You know, they have to, they're slowly equalizing with the economic environment that producers face today. And if you see that, that the, the current economic conditions become kind of the new, the new normal, and if you see long-term interest rates pick up, you can anticipate that land prices could adjust down to some degree in the future. We, we don't necessarily see a, a crash. We don't see anything like that. We don't, there's not a financial bubble behind all this. There's a lot of equity in the market. Um, producers have options. But we can see that as you know, long-term rates are at historically low levels, most thinking is that they will migrate up at some point. To, and so we think that there could be a further softening in land values in the foreseeable future. It's Bob Campbell, Senior Vice President with Farm Credit Services of America. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Well, time for us to take a look at sports, and Jason is in here in the studio with us, and we talked a little bit about this uh, during the midday discussion, but uh, sometimes preseason ratings are just to maybe fire people up, and it's going to, in my work for the Lopers this year. A little bit. Uh, They were five and six a year ago. They made tremendous strides under Coach Josh Lynn. All of their losses were, I mean, right on the edge. They're... Their record could have been a whole lot better than that, but when the folks who uh, coach in that league and observe that league, they all voted, and they have UNK ninth in both the media poll and the coaches' poll. I find that uh, very surprising. Yeah. You, and you thought you thought closer to four through six. Yeah, in that somewhere area. in there. That's what I thought. I mean, I have a vote. I, I voted six. I was being you know kind of on the low end, right? But never ninth. We'll see. Whatever. Two-time defending champion Fort Hay State is first, with the Tigers picking up six of the 12 first-place votes. Northwest Missouri is right behind Hayes. UNK has 46 upperclassmen on its roster. They're still tabbed just ninth. They led the league in rushing last year, and senior Luke Quinn says it's nice to be a part of that kind of backfield. It's really nice, um, considering that I've been in an offense here at the school where there's only been one to two backs. Now we have multiple weapons. We have four to five great running backs, and I'm confident in every running back that we have to be out there knowing their plays and executing. Quinn is part of a running back core that includes Darius Webb, who was all-conference a year ago, David Goodwin, and Dayton Seeley of Hastings. UNK begins fall camp on August 12th. Well, it was another disappointing season for the Concordia football squad last year. They went just 3-7. and seven. Speaking at GPAC Media Days yesterday, head coach Patrick Daverkhouse says the offense has some key question marks that need to be off answered if they're going to make strides this fall. We need that offensive line group to improve. That's our most important need as far as a, a group of guys to step up and, and play. Uh, we expect them to do that. 
quarterback, we plan on playing one. Um, we don't have that guy named yet. We probably won't until our first game. And um, we have a, we're bringing in multiple quarterbacks to compete. We have guys uh, coming back to compete at that position. And um, you know, we expect improvement there as well. Concordia averages 15 points per game last year. That's, that's a low number in college yeah, football. Good, They're picked to finish eighth in the GPAC. Class A senior baseball tournaments are continuing. Carney runs the state alive yesterday with a nice win over Lincoln Southwest. They will need to beat Millard West twice today to win the state title. First game was at four. Class B tournament is still going on at Gehring at this time. Bennington is leading Springfield. They lead that one five to four after four innings. The winner of this one meets up with the Alliance with the winner claiming the Class B title. And in Class C tonight at five, it's DCB. They've had a good run in Syracuse. They'll take on Pender. So hmm. there you go. Well, now I'm I'm guessing that Morningside was picked to win the GPAC. Uh, yeah, big surprise on that, especially uh, since they went 15 and 0 last year and won the whole thing. They are a breed apart, man. GPAC. They just last few years. Ever since Sioux Falls left, okay. Morningside took over the mantle. Hmm. There's probably a few MIAA teams that wouldn't want to play Morningside. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet that's absolutely yeah. true. All they, right, they struggle to find non-conference games. Really? Yeah, they do. That would be a that would be a different problem, wouldn't it? Yeah, All right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jason. It is twelve thirty one. Time for us to take a look at news, see what's going on around our area. Brandon Bennett's in here with me and uh, pretty good crash. In the Henderson, York area right now, Brandon, looks like uh, part of the westbound on the I-80 is still closed. Still closed this hour, and specifically at, uh, near the 353 west of York and exit 342. Those That's just east of Aurora. Those are the two exits that is your westbound especially. You're going to want to make other arrangements or just follow the detour because right now it's one of those where if they have to close it down, that's a bad crash. But if they have to leave it closed down for this period of time, mm-hmm. it's one of those you, you're looking at. And, of course, we don't want to speculate now. We don't have the information. But, you know, are, are they landing medevac helicopters mm-hmm. on the interstate itself? Maybe there's something wrong with the concrete because once you get into accident investigation or crash investigation and you start gouging the concrete on the interstate, it may be up for some repair. So, again, we don't have those details. But what we do know is right now still closed westbound I-80 between exits 353 west of York and exit 342 east of Aurora. Other things in Nebraska news, a new plan to, to a new plan designed to capitalize on the assets of Nebraska has and to create other opportunities was unveiled just yesterday by by the group Blue Pet Nebraska. Owen Palm, the president and CEO of 21st Century Holdings in Scotts Bluff, says goals include improving broadband and transportation connectivity. We propose to increase broadband connectivity in rural Nebraska, as well as an initiative to deploy 5G uh, network in our larger cities. Fourth, we want to take advantage of our geographic uh, center of the U.S. location to focus on freight and logistics opportunities, while at the same time expand the state's transportation interconnectivity with things such as an east-west flight and enhanced uh, international and national departures uh, from our largest cities. And for more information on that, especially the broadband aspect of that, here's a 
sideways plug for us this Tuesday coming up from 3 to 4 p.m. We're going to explore those areas of roads, bridges, and broadband, our next Rural Radio Forum. And we'll be hearing from the Executive Director of the Blueprint Nebraska Coalition, Jim Smith, former Nebraska Senator, now the Executive Director there. He is going to be joining us along with Senator Fisher, Kyle Sneeweiss, local producers, and others talking about the importance of roads, bridges, and, of course, Internet broadband across Nebraska. And speaking of economic development, Governor Pete Ricketts has appointed a new director to lead the Nebraska Department of Economic Development. Ricketts announced earlier today that Tony Goins of Lincoln will take the job overseeing the state agency. He replaces Dave Rippey, who stepped down on August 9th to return to his home in Hastings. Goins served as the director of branded products in Lincoln Industries, where he leads the sales team responsible for aftermarket truck and Harley-Davidson parts. He's also the CEO and partner of Capital Cigar Lounge and leads a consulting firm. And that brought Scott Foster's head around like a bird dog that just struck a scent. Yes, the Capital Cigar Lounge. Business Optimizer and Partners, LLC. Goins previously served as executive of Cabela's World's Most Foremost Bank. He will start his new role October 7th with an annual salary of $200,000. And finally, second defendant in slaying of a Lincoln man, of a Lincoln woman, rather, wants a trial moved to another county. The attorney for 25-year-old Bailey Boswell said in motions filed Friday, that's deep and bitter prejudice against her in Saline County made a fair trial impossible. Boswell and her boyfriend Aubrey Trail, of course, charged in the first-degree murder of 2017 slaying of then-24-year-old Sidney Louv of Lincoln. The trial, trial himself was convicted back on July 10th. Boswell's attorney also wants testimony about witchcraft and the occult excluded from her trial. A woman who testified at trial's trial that he bragged about killing several other people and told her how he could gain powers as one of his quote-unquote witches if she tortured her victim before death. The judge has yet to rule on that motion. That's the latest check of news here at the KRV and World Headquarters. All right. Thanks, Brandon. KRVN was founded on the need for great weather reporting, so we keep our eye on the sky to bring you up-to-the-minute developments presented by Skeeter Barnes, the best beef and barbecue around, with locations in Kearney and Columbus, and by American Family Insurance, serving Lexington and Kearney. When weather becomes a threat, you need a fast response, and you get it. On air, social media, on our app, and on time. Keep it right here for weather. The Rural Radio Storm Center and 880 KRVN. Shedding a light on Nebraska's growing viticulture industry. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Alex Wojcicki joining you. Good afternoon. Paul Reed is a professor of viticulture and horticulture at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And he's coordinated a viticulture tailgate program that's designed to educate anyone interested in growing grapes commercially or in a home garden setting. Reed says this idea came from New York State. Yeah, we started doing them last year, last summer. And as I said, they're modeled after the uh, tailgates that the Finger Lakes Viticulture Program in New York State has initiated. What they do is meet every two weeks at a different vineyard or winery. We're not doing them every two weeks, but we're doing them hopefully in a timely way for the different topics or tasks that are uh, timely. For example, as I mentioned, the pruning workshop we had uh, at, uh, as a tailgate at Schillingbridge Winery down in Pawnee City, and we had one on campus a few weeks ago showcasing our high tunnel table grape program, which is a new enterprise, and we'll be harvesting that later on 
early to mid-August, probably. The next tailgate is tonight, July 31st, from 4 to 7 at the George Spencer Tasting Room in Gibbon. These next two will be covering similar topics. Our goal in this particular case was by going to Gibbon. We will reach out to perhaps central Nebraska people who are interested in growing grapes or perhaps already are growing grapes. And the second one, the next one, will be on August 7th at the winery named Cellar 426, which is easily found by exiting the freeway at exit 426. That's how they named the winery. A wide variety of seasonal topics will be addressed during these next two tailgate programs. We will be covering such things as crop estimation, uh, yield management, determining harvest timing based on uh, the composition of the grapes. We'll talk about pH, uh, sugar content, acid content, and uh, the visible characteristics will be pointed out and potential problems such as disease, insects, and so forth will also be covered. Talking with UNL professor of viticulture and horticulture, Paul Reed, about the upcoming viticulture tailgate in Gibbon tonight, he provided a few tips to consider if you're interested in growing a grape crop. Well, if they're interested in just growing a small amount for personal use, then we would discuss the different cultivars or varieties, the types of grapes that would be suitable for home garden use. But that's one horn of the dichotomy, one might say, or one branch of the road. The other, of course, is for people who are curious about and maybe considering uh, commercial grape production. And then we discuss the economics of uh, growing grapes. Here in Nebraska, we have a few wineries, for example, that are three generations already, and it's a healthy sign for the industry, in my opinion. Uh, having said all that, if someone is thinking of growing grapes, they need to talk to a winery to find out which grapes they would be interested in buying three years down the road. Wineries will be very happy to tell someone who's thinking about growing grapes commercially which grapes they would don't have enough of, which ones they predict they will need more of in the future, and so on. Reed says there are about 125 vineyards and about 30 wineries in Nebraska currently, and he says the state's viticulture industry is growing. The Nebraska grape and wine industry is certainly a growing and vibrant industry. We have real committed and dedicated people in the industry that indicate to me that this is a real sustainable industry that's not going to put California out of business right away, but for local use and local quality product, when we think buy fresh, buy local, I encourage people to buy fresh and buy uh, local wines from Nebraska wineries. And finally, Reed says he considers himself a wine ambassador by promoting Nebraska wine in places like China, British Columbia, New York State, and Las Vegas, just to name a few. I am often invited to speak at conferences in different parts of the country and, for that matter, in other parts of the world. And I always take Nebraska wines with me to kind of brag on them because they are 
especially our white wines are world class, and <clears throat> they definitely uh, surprise people when I present them with a bottle of Nebraska wine and they try it and you know very surprised and, and pleased with the quality of that product. That was UNL professor of viticulture and horticulture Paul Reed joining us as he has coordinated a viticulture program tailgate that's happening tonight in Gibbon from 4 to 7 at the George Spencer Tasting Room. The next tailgate program will be next Wednesday, August 7th, beginning at 4 p.m. at Cellar 426 Wines and Vines near Ashland, Nebraska, and both of those programs are free to attend. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at the business world, see what's going on in financial markets. Before we do that, uh, I wanted to mention, too, and Bob just brought this to my attention. Looks like they have reopened I-80. Is that right? They have reopened uh, westbound I-80. It's completely opened at uh, mile marker 348. So traffic should be flowing uh, normally. However, uh, you might want to be careful and use some caution in that area. Well, it looks like they're still cleaning things up a little bit. It looks like multiple vehicles were involved in this. Yes, and uh, there could be wreckers. There could be... We're not really sure right now what's going on at the scene. Okay, very good. Well, let's take a look at the markets. We'll shift gears here just a little bit. On the uh, world markets in the overnight, uh, a lot of them, a lot of red going on. The Japanese Nikkei down 186. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong was down... 363 the london FTSE was down 42 and the german dax index was down oh excuse me was up 41 so a little bit better news there in deutschland for uh us here in the united states uh mixed markets today the dow jones industrial averages are down nine the nasdaq is up five so the tech heavy nasdaq up a little bit and the s&p is uh, down 1.16 course Everybody in the financials looking to see uh, what the Fed does with rates. The president wants them to cut it, so we will see. And we turn it over to Bob Rogan for more. Yes, and uh, of course nobody has heard this before, but uh, the Federal Reserve is on the brink of uh, doing something with interest rates. But uh, also technology stocks, clear leaders today. Apple jumped after reporting its sales in China had stabilized despite the worsening rhetoric between Washington and, and Beijing over trade. Wall Street's main focus, however, has been on the central bank's decision on interest rates this afternoon. There's also a fire burning at an Exxon Mobil refinery in Texas that's sending a large plume of smoke into the air and uh, sometimes Refinery problems do affect the uh, the oil industry, and so we're keeping an eye on that situation. Governor Pete Ricketts has appointed a new director to lead the Nebraska Department of Economic Development. The governor announcing today that Tony Goins of Lincoln will take the job overseeing the state agency. He's going to replace Dave Rippey, who is stepping down on August 9th to uh, return to his home in Hastings. A private survey finds U.S. companies added a healthy 156,000 jobs in July. Payroll processor ADP says larger firms accounted for most of the gains with solid hiring in the construction, transportation, health care, and in the leisure and hospitality sectors. U.S. workers saw their annual wages and benefits rise in the second quarter at a slightly slower pace than they did in the first quarter. It's a possible, it's a possible indication that the lowest unemployment levels in a half century are not triggering rapid gains 
in workers' compensation. Those are some of the stories we're keeping an eye on today in the business world. And you mentioned oil a little bit. Oil prices are up. Uh, They're at about $58 a barrel right now. Thanks, Bob. Exciting times and opportunities in the U.S. grain industry. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Ryan Legrand has been on the job as the CEO and president of the U.S. Grains Council for less than two months. Ryan has a lot of experience with the Grains Council with his previous work in Mexico. Right. You know, Mexico really turned into a second home for me. Uh, for me, I started working there in, in 2000, started trading there, and, and, and traveled back and forth for a decade before moving down there in 2010. So I spent nine and a half years living in Mexico and uh, just really, really got to know the people, the culture, and how things work down there. And I think that really helped me during the NAFTA and USMCA negotiation to kind of put myself myself in, in their shoes um, and, and really try to come to an understanding on both sides that we wanted no harm to agriculture. And the good thing was that Mexican industry was on our side with that. They, they agreed fully, and we showed a united front in, to our government, to that of the, the Mexican government, to say, hey, you know, let's not let's not tinker around with what's going on in ag because we've got a lot of great things going between the two countries, and let's let's keep business as normal there. Me- Mexico has already ratified it. They they were the first out of the three countries to ratify it, and we keep hearing that September October could be a possibility uh, for a timeline to get it ratified in the United States. So we really need to get this done. Everyone wants to see it get done, and then we'll move on to the next trade agreement from there. Speaking of the next trade agreement, we know that work is going on right now as we speak, once again, with China. But it seems like with all the different disputes we've had with China, it's maybe opened up a few doors for us to look at other opportunities to talk U.S. grain products. We, we certainly are. You know, if you, if you look at sorghum, you know, we our, our staff did an excellent job to scramble and get boats that were vessels that were in transit to China when uh, when word got down that they, word came down that they were going to uh, place tariffs on our sorghum, our staff really scrambled and got a lot of those vessels placed into into Europe and I believe some into the Middle East. Uh, you know, so so we've been we've it's caused us to look to look to other avenues, look to other trading partners when we when we don't see China as such a reliable trading partner. And we really want to get back to business as normal with China, but it seems like that might take a little longer than than, than people are hoping. And Ryan, I know that there's been talk, and I know it was one of your general session discussions today, was the expansion for Africa. Yes, that's a new frontier for us, and we're using ATP funds, agricultural trade promotion funds, that are designed just for that, to mitigate uh, the the effects of some of these trade disputes that are go- going on with China, um, and, and find new markets. And Mexico, or excuse me, Africa is is really on the horizon for us. It's one where. Uh, it's going to see huge population growth over the next uh, 10 years, 20 years plus. So it's one that we're becoming active in right now and building for the future. What about India? India's right there as well. We have to get into India. We're trying to get our ethanol in there. We're, they're currently our, our, top, our number three ethanol customer, but that's industrial ethanol. They do not accept imports of fuel ethanol today. 
So we've devised what we see as a win-win situation for India and the United States, whereby they do their norm, normal quarterly tenders for Indian ethanol. Those comments coming from Ryan Legrand, President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network, joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, looking here at the uh, near close on the grains, it's going to be double-digit losses for the soybeans along with the wheat, corn as well, just risk off to close out the month. Yeah, absolutely. Big sell-off here. Feed grains leading in. Oil seeds really not far behind. Um, just tremendous amount of leverage that's that's being taken off the off the trade here. So imagine as we cruised through 420 last night, uh, broke really quickly this morning down to 417, and then just simply kind of bled itself down to 410. I think 402. You know, if you're asking me to pick a low, which I don't don't quote me on any of that. I'm I'm guessing as much as you guys would be. But 402 would be the middle of the distribution range that we've been in on a monthly chart. So if you pull it all the way back and look at some of the the, the big ranges we've been in, 402 would be a place where. If you are hedged, maybe you have to roll down or take some profits on them. I, I don't think the market needs to really sell off too hard here. Uh, the report in you know, on August will be important, but you know, there's this is falling with wheat and it's falling with soybeans, so it's really not a weather story, and it's not like we're we're finding uh, more product around. I think this is just simply evaluation, which goes in hand in hand with how many folks were holding longs. I'd imagine today we did a did a really good job of cleaning out uh, a bunch of longs. Then we get the news out from the Federal Reserve. I'm sure everybody's seeing the headline on that. Does that really play into uh, market thought here on the grains? It hasn't really affected the, the Chicago Board of Trade markets, the corn and the grains. I, I, you know, I think in the long run it'll help keep prices low, or I mean keep prices off a of low, but it's it shouldn't be a, a big factor in my opinion. Uh, they they didn't cut more than we thought they were going to cut, and I think that was what you know would have been bullish on it. Um, really, if you're if you're a corn trader, the the biggest thing you got to look at here is wheat. Uh, wheat fell hard today, down 11. So we're 4.22 on the on the SEP KC. Uh, that probably goes to four bucks in the next month if nothing changes. Uh, so that puts you know 3.80 in the cards for for the SEP corn contract, uh, which would um, you know be a pretty good value level for myself. Um, again, 4.02 for the December corn. I I, I don't know if we'll, we'll bounce off that level or if it'll push through it, but I, I wouldn't be shocked to see us push that here this week and then. Uh, you know, kind of bide our time. You know, at some point here, you'll see a snapback the other way. We are down close to 60 cents in just, I think, about seven or eight trading sessions, given, I think, three weeks ago we were running running into that 450 level. But it's a uh, it's complete washout here. And, um, you know, if you liked it 20 cents ago, you, should, you need to be staying strong. If, if you are nervous, you're facing margin calls, just look at the short weekly um, near-term put options. Those are the best ways to stay in the trade and, and put a floor out there. Again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing. More information available at Dan- DanielsAgMarketing.com. Again, DanielsAgMarketing.com. That's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on KRVN.com.